You're listening to Since You Didn't Ask, where Matthew and Andrew tackle questions you might not be asking, but might find helpful to answer. Questions about life answered through a biblical lens. Welcome to Since You Didn't Ask. I'm Matthew, and I'm here with Andrew. And the question on the table for this episode, Andrew, is how should Christians or how can Christians practically fight sin? Okay. Um, so uh, to unpack that for just a, just a minute, um, a Christian is struggling with the same kind of sin over and over, or this, the Christian is experiencing just uh, general frustration that they seem to be stuck and not growing in their sanctification. Um, they have a desire to um, to grow and to overcome sin, but they just they're just struggling. Um, how do we how do we counsel people and to um, to do that? And um, how do we what do we what do we do ourselves? Okay. And how do we think about that? So where okay. would you start? Um, maybe, maybe those are two different things or maybe they're the same one, but I'm going to start with the, the single sin that you keep on committing over and over and maybe just lay out a few conceptual things and then we can dive into actual practical. So I think, um, on the one hand, you, we, we keep in mind really big picture that, um, because of the power of the Holy spirit in us, if you are a believer, you do have the ability to conquer sin or, or maybe better said there's there's the promise that God will will work in you um that we will see some amount of victory on the other hand we also know really big picture that um while we are in this body of flesh as Paul says we won't see uh glory we won't see a complete riddance of sin the other layer i'd want to put on here is that uh, a phrase that older generations of believers often use that i think is viable is that um often people will have an area or areas that we could they would call besetting sins, sins that you are particularly prone to um, by your temperament, by your you know life upbringing, whatever that might be, and and sometimes just realizing and being cognizant of that allows you to realize okay this is this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a sin that I may struggle with my entire life, and that I may I may always wrestle with. Um, and so framing it, I, I, I just feel like those three pillars can be a helpful framing to then approach the problem practically with, with sort of the, the optimism that says, yes, I have the Holy Spirit and the power of God at work in me, but the realism that there are believers that struggle with certain besetting sins for their entire life as a believer, and that we can hold both of those kind of in, in tandem. Yeah, no, that's great. So to reiterate, one, um, we have power over sin, the Holy Spirit in a believer empowers us to conquer sin. And so for the Christian, we should not just be resigned to this is my fate. I am stuck with this sin or I'm giving in to this sin. Number two, we still have a fleshly body that is contaminated by sin. And um, that is our, our hope for heaven is that we'll be freed from these sinful bodies, given glorified bodies that won't be drawn into sin. But until then, there's a battle, and that is the war that we engage in as Christians. And then point number three is use the term besetting sin. Um, I've heard the term signature sin. Yep, yep. Um, but we have 
signature sins, something uh, um, that we might as individuals be particularly prone to and get drawn into. And we should have a heightened awareness of that. And how do we address that? Um, I think that's really where I want to, to, to get into to start mm -hmm. with. Um, and how do we go about that? And, and, and you, you added on, it might be something that we would be potentially struggling with for the rest of our lives. I would agree with, but now here's where we, we turn into what do we practically mm -hmm. do with mm -hmm. those realities? What happens when your signature sin is something that is radically detrimental Yeah. Um, to acknowledge I may have to deal with this the rest of my life um, is crushing when mm -hmm. it's, when mm -hmm. the consequences are as significant as they are in certain situations. So, well, and to be clear too, I would say mm -hmm. the way that, that, especially if you look at like on the sermon in the sermon on the Mount, um, that, that sin is sort of this spectrum, you could say, or even like seed to tree kind of process. And so when I say we might struggle our whole life, that doesn't mean that it's always in the fully fruiting tree form. It might be uh, cut down to the seed form. If that is making any sense, I can explain that more, but go ahead if you want to shape it anymore. No, that was just, that, that's where I'm, where I'm yeah. getting at is how do we, how do we think that through? If, if, if I'm struggling with a, um, with any sin, we shouldn't, just because a certain sin may not be as detrimental evidently in our lives, we shouldn't um, discount that at all. But then there are certain sins that are just extremely detrimental, like mm -hmm, in very mm -hmm. obvious ways. And um, we hate that, but what do we do about it? Yeah. I'll kind of lay out a framework that I've used myself and with other people and, and you can supplement and change however you want. But um, I think, so the, the end goal is, is full maturity, full heart responses that are in line with scripture, that are fueled by the Holy Spirit, that are rejecting sin. But then step one, if, if we're dealing with a sin that's especially detrimental, the one I'm thinking of um, right now would be something like I'm, um, you know, I'm a young man, I, I intend to get married, but I'm, I'm looking at pornography and it's, it's going to, I'm going to lose this relationship and with this person uh, that I want to marry. Um, I think Step one, if, if you're engaging in, in kind of the full, uh, full grown form of the sin, find ways to cut it off. Jesus talks about uh, pluck out your eye, cut off your hand, find this. This might be in the in the lust scenario. This might be um, you don't have a smartphone anymore. This might be you don't have Internet access. This might be, you know, drastic type measures that they're actually not dealing with your heart. You know, getting rid of the Internet doesn't deal with the heart issue. But it, but it protects, um, it protects you from doing further damage to yourself and others in that moment. So, so just to, to I want to outline this and, and underline point number one, if you hate your sin, which as believers we should, and if you have a particular, in, in particular, we should do this in general, but in particular, if you have a besetting sin or a signature sin, you should hate that, want to address that. If you're not willing to take dramatic action mm -hmm. to protect yourself from falling into that, you might not hate it as much as you say that you do. Mm -hmm. So that would be point one. However, I think it's important to say, and I know this is not where you're going. If that's all that you do, 
that can actually be really unhealthy Mm -hmm. if you stop at point one. So I'll let you continue from there. Yeah, stopping at point one is essentially uh, the fair sacral response. Correct. Cut, cut off only the visible part of the tree right. um, without dealing with the roots. So yeah, but but we do, we, we, we take drastic, and I would categorize those drastic measures in two primary ways. I think the Bible describes the removing access to the sin, whatever that looks like in your scenario, and being willing to confess it to another believer that can help you, encourage you, that might be um, a friend, a family member, a pastor. Um, but if, if you're not willing to, to confess to someone, um, and not willing to take those drastic measures, then you're not, you're not actually in the fight, you know? Um, yeah. So then moving on from there, um, I, I personally have found a lot of help from, it, it is an application of biblical truth and biblical, um, broadly with in it's it's enriching our relationship with the lord but practically the way the framework that's been helpful to me i i got it from john piper was that you need to the the beauty of of the righteous thing that sin is twisting has to push out the alluring beauty of the sin so going back to the last example um you know let's say you want to get married the beauty of what god defines marriage to be the beauty of what god defines human sexuality to be and all these things the beauty of that and the beauty of the relationship with the lord and with your wife both of those are are good righteous things those have to become in your mind and heart more attractive than the beauty of the sin that you're pursuing. And, and often what can be helpful is to remember that in pursuing the sin, you're often pursuing something that is beautiful but twisted. So, so again, the last example, human sexuality is a beautiful thing. Pornography twists and ruins it. And so once you start to think in those terms, you're now, instead of just running away from sin, you're actually being, being pulled towards something beautiful that God has said is, is good and right and true. Um, and so that framework, I think, is practically helpful as a second step. And kind of within that, then, um, maybe the one other layer I would add is just um, the, the overall, your, your overall relationship with Christ. Um, ultimately, and this can get too simplistic, but ultimately, when we sin, we, we are valuing the sin more than than the closeness and intimacy we have with the Lord. And so working through that dynamic, whether that is memorizing verses, whether that is um, reading the scripture more, whether that is listening to sermons, whether, you know, some kind of truth input, meditating on that truth and allowing that to then fuel your relationship with the Lord in prayer. um, That big picture is the pattern that drives you away from sin. So you have basically a three point outline. Yeah. Um, Number one, take dramatic action mm-hmm. to protect yourself from falling into sin. Mm-hmm. Number two, see, I'm going to say this a little bit differently than you did, but see God's perfect design and intention as better mm-hmm. than the sin. Mm-hmm. And three, see Christ himself as worth more mm-hmm. than the sin. And two and three, you could maybe break up in terms of like, like specifically dealing with this sin. How do I see God and his plan is more beautiful. And then more generally, number three, how do I as a whole person be more devoted to Christ and see him as, which then comes back and feeds back to number one of the dramatic action. Oh yeah. yeah. uh, Because that's the motivation for that dramatic action is that I see God's design is better and I don't want to get to fall into this. And 
and, and I see Christ is better. I don't want to fall into this. So I'm willing to take that dramatic action. Mm-hmm. Um, the layering I would give to that, I think that's great. Um, everything that you just outlined, um, the, the practical aspect of how to do all that becomes mm-hmm. much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is interesting uh, that God has designed the universe to function in a way that um, that that calls for delayed gratification. This world, we delay gratification for ultimately having Christ. There are certain things, the immediate gratification we delay, but then that plays out in like that's echoed in so many places in the world. You don't go to the gym in one day and get in shape. It's consistent time after time doing that. You, for the most part, get rich quick schemes don't work. It's it's over time, um, consistent building. Um, we uh, you look at things relationally. You don't usually just connect with somebody immediately and have this close tight knit relationship. It's built over time. The point being, we just have these echoes all over in, in, in how the universe works, that God has designed things to function where we delay gratification and when we shortcut those processes, get rich quick, we end up losing all of our money most times or whatever in, in each of these scenarios. It, it backfires. And I think that the more we can embrace that reality throughout life, that God has designed things to say no to the instant gratification of our flesh and to embrace the bigger and better gratification in him and in his purposes, the better off that we will be. So taking your pornography example, pornography may be a fulfillment of that gratification of your flesh in that moment that you're not going to get from somebody you haven't yet married. But by fulfilling your desires immediately, you are forfeiting the bigger and better mm-hmm. gratification that would come in how God has designed for that sexuality to ultimately be played out. And you could say that, and if you want to stay on that subject, you could say sleeping with people that you're not married mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. does exactly that same thing. It might fulfill that immediate gratification. Um, in exchange for forfeiting ultimate gratification that is going to potentially be somehow um, lessened uh, because of that. And so I think that there is a, um, the, one of the starting points for the Christian is to, is to fill our minds with truth from God's word that feeds our thinking and shapes our thinking so that we can see more tangibly the reality of what God has ultimately in store and that we are motivated to say no to the short run indulgences. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's true in, in so many places in life. Like we know that practically, if I, um, if I say no to, to certain things, in exchange for something that's way better, as long as I can see and believe and know that what is way better really is, and it's really, it's really coming. It's not as hard to say no in the short run. It's when that's fuzzy or we lack clarity 
or conviction or actual mm-hmm. belief in what's coming is better, that then it's just easier to say, I just want to indulge now. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess that's, that's where it just comes back. We have to feed ourselves with, with things that help to shape that clarity and conviction and, and understanding and belief in, in what's coming is better. And maybe one example here, the, the pornography one is in a sense easier to kind of walk through, but maybe one that's a little more abstract, uh, this, that may help you is let's say you're struggling, you know, your kind of signature sin is, is gossiping or some type of using your words in a harmful way. So, so you, you then need to see the beauty that is laid out. And by the way, this is why we can't ignore books like Proverbs that talks about um, the, the mouth of the, the righteous is a, a fountain of life and all these beautiful pictures of what um, a man or a woman looks like who uses their words in, in ways that like, it, it's like precious jewels coming from their mouth and these beautiful uh, images, when that captures your heart and you start to see, wow, this is that, that's what I want. That delayed gratification that when you clarify the picture of what, you know, you get, then, then you're drawn toward it. And that instant moment of feeling superior to someone else by saying something or sharing something you shouldn't, um, that lessens in its, its shininess, its allure. And when you see the long term, I want to be the type of woman or the type of man one day who, who is, um, whose mouth pours forth blessing on people and, and has built a lifetime of, of relationships from that blessing. And you just start fleshing it out. Proverbs does this exact thing, actually, even with sexual sin, where he, he fleshes out in the mind of his son, you know, I'm going to be in, if I go down this path of sexual sin, um, I'll be in the front of the congregation in utter ruin and, and kind of looks ahead that all the relationships that'll be ruined. And it's just very instructive about thinking ahead of what the path of sin leads to and what the path of um, righteousness leads to one other random comment while I'm rambling, Matthew, the, the practical question I think is a a good and a fair one, but, um, I'm really on a Proverbs roll today. I'm about to quote Proverbs again. Uh, there was a portion of Proverbs that really bothered me for a long time because I didn't get it. It says something along the lines of, um, uh, the, the first step to getting wisdom is this get wisdom. And I think what the, the author's getting at is, um, the step one is is to want the wisdom and to get it no matter what it takes. And so I think with this issue of fighting sin, sometimes a lot of times the answer is, I don't know the exact best practical step for you, but get get godliness, get wisdom. Um, it, it, and you might have to bang your head against a lot of walls, listen to sermons, read your Bible, read other good books, talk to believers, be in the church, pray, meditate on God's, you know, it's just you bang your head against the wall knowing that I love the Lord, I want to walk with him. Sorry, I don't know what, why I'm yeah, no, I think just that's going actually off on fantastic. that. Um, I do want to go back just to, to underline the point you made that I, th- that I think is super important is, is projecting out the consequences of your actions, both good and bad, and thinking about that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a sin that you are stuck in, um, Work to understand the consequences of that sin and then let that play out and, and give thoughts to, and I think that's even part of meditation is thinking there is an appropriate place for fear in our lives. And the fear of ourselves is maybe underemphasized. I, I've said often, the older I get, the more afraid of myself I am. And I think that there's something maturing in that. Um, 
that we should fear ourselves. And so as we fear, we fear consequences of where our natural inclinations might take us in our sinful flesh. Um, there is a, there's a merciful protection that God gives us in that. That makes me remember when I was, um, in high school, my parents, if, if ever asked anything along the lines of, don't you trust me? The response was, of course not. We don't trust ourselves. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, there's a, yeah, there's a wisdom in. Yeah. The, the other thing I would, um, I would draw out and I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with this. So I'm kind of curious. Um, I think there are different categories of sins and we can do this in, in different ways, but I, in particular, I want to think about sins that maybe there's a better word, but sins that are, are kind of reactive and sins that are like premeditated. And I think that there are yeah. different ways to think about them. So anger might be a reactive sin. I have a tendency to react negatively. The cutting off part that you started with mm -hmm. is harder in that scenario because very much I can be totally fine. And then out of the blue, something happens and boom, I react in a way that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's sins that, that are premeditated, even if it's only one minute in advance, but like I, I'm specifically choosing to engage in this sin. Conscious thought goes into right. it. Yeah. So the root solution to both of them is the same, but they play out, I think, in different ways. And there are different, um, I was going to say, that there are different strategies. This goes to a, a previous episode we recorded. But um, on the, the responsive or reactive types of sins, we have to be feeding ourselves with, with God's word, with um, people around us that can lovingly speak into us and, and help us to see that, maybe where we might miss it. Um, and, um, and I think that, that those sins are addressed by actual genuine changes in our hearts that can only be done by the Holy Spirit, but that yep. matures us and helps us to react better. So on the reactive part, if we just focus on that, do you have anything that you would add or respond to on that? I, not necessarily. I do. I, I have found in my own life that the reactive ones are harder to deal with and, and ultimately are a, a um, what's the right word? They're a better barometer of where my heart really is. Yeah. Because those are like what Jesus said, what comes up out of the heart is, or what comes up out of your mouth. And, you know, those are coming from the heart. Um, when you don't have time to think, you find out who you really are. Yeah. I agree with you, except that I don't think for everyone, it's the reactive ones that are the harder ones. No, I hear what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I understand your point, but I just want to draw that out. It's the there's almost um and I've talked to several people about this recently. There's this this otherness like this like the idea of of a separation between who I am in Christ and who I am in my flesh. They we talk about the old man and the new man it's like they're different, different people within us. And I don't mean to make it like sound weird, but, mm -hmm. um, sometimes we can, we move into this, we put on the old man and we get drawn into things that the new man finds abhorrent, mm -hmm. but in our flesh, we pursue certain things. And I guess where I want to go practically with that 
is the way, and this goes back to your point of the cutting off, but it's maybe um, being more specific. It's the, um, it's the appropriate fear of ourselves in knowing that that old man lurks, that the flesh lurks. And I think that those intentional conscious sins are often, if not always, ultimately the result of overconfidence. And what I mean by, I'll just, I can give an example. I don't mean, we're making a lot of references on this and I'm going to continue with this in, a, in the, of using examples on, in, the, in the sexual realm, but this applies in ways beyond that. But just to use that as an example, if you, if, if a guy is with his girlfriend sitting alone in her room, sitting on their bed together with the door closed and nobody else in the house, I think that the guy or maybe both of them could legitimately be thinking, I don't want anything else to happen on this. I can control myself. This is not going to cross any lines. I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. They could genuinely believe that even though they're being a moron. Right. Right. Um, there is a, there is an overconfidence in I can, I, I'm going to be able to navigate this situation and I'm not going to do what my, th what my new man in Christ mm -hmm. would hate. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Not recognizing that the moment that you put yourself into that situation, you may have just unleashed a chain reaction that you have no ability to stop. Yeah. Where the stopping happens is before you ever get to that situation. Right. And so I think in, Going to your, your drastic cutoff, the way that we address those situations is we have to be able to back them up in our minds to a step or two before we would ever even have the opportunity to engage right. in right. that sin right. and to say, I'm not going to, if I take one more step, I'm okay. And if I take one more step, I'm relying on my own willpower. But I'm not even getting to that step that's right before the one where I, I'm mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to stop before I, before I even get one step away from where I have to rely on the certain amount of willpower. Um, and so to take that example, um, when I have opportunity and I, uh, and some of the guys listening will know, I've, I've told them this. Don't, um, don't ever be in a parked car with your girlfriend for any amount of time. Like if, if you've parked someplace and you want to continue a conversation, get out of the car, talk outside, standing up and just don't, don't put yourself in the situation where you can, where the opportunity is ever even there. Well, to, to go once again, back to Proverbs, uh, the, the way it talks about it is it's the, the, Solomon's talking to his son and he says, look at, look at the man that goes down to the adulteress's house. He goes like an ox to the slaughter, like just foolishly. He, he, and he talks about, you know, he walks by at nighttime when the sun's going down and like, like it, it puts it very much in the sense of he would look at us sitting in the car, say, and say, you naive fool. What did you expect? You're right. like an ox going to the slaughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a wisdom thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I guess what I want to just to really make clear is I think that that couple sitting in the car and on the bed or whatever, 
could genuinely fully be committed to, I do not want to cross a line. I don't want to sin. I don't want to, uh, like the hearts could be totally right. And yet the battle is already lost. Mm -hmm. Um, If that is anybody specifically listening, um, know you're not alone um, because this has come up with multiple people in different ways. And it's not always with regard to sexual sin. I don't mean to, to imply that we're just using that as an example, but it's something that I think humans just have always struggled with. And, and, um, and it is part of the maturing, um, process, the sanctifying process that we learn to fear ourselves. And so we start drawing lines in different places that are safer. Um, but when we are younger, um, yeah, I think that there's this overconfidence that mm-hmm. results in a lack of wisdom as to how do we manage those kinds of situations. And I think the only caveat I would add on this, uh, um, and it doesn't draw back from it at all, but just being careful not to add traditions to God's word and start to say, I don't think we're in danger of doing this, but to say, you know, oh, you know, they they did X thing that I don't do and therefore yeah. they're in sin. You know, so I, I, I think we want to avoid any heart attitude like that. But at the same time, we, like you said, to, uh, it's funny, I would even maybe push back on what you're saying of, uh, like, like, I know there are people that might genuinely be in those situations and say they, they have a pure heart that wants to do what's right. But to me, that sounds an awful lot. Like, I don't want to get eaten by a shark, but I'm going to go swim in the, in the waters with the sharks. And it's like, if you really don't want to, don't get in the water. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, this is a, this is a, a, um, a truth suppression issue, a, um, uh, you know, our, our foolish hearts are darkened yeah. even as believers when we sin, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that there are people who naively think, yeah, I'm going to go swim with the sharks and I don't want to be, <laughs> right. but I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine because <laughs> right, right. I'm so strong and I'm a fast swimmer. And right. like, we think stupid things right? and I think we genuinely can believe them. And that's what I want to, to caution about is just because you think that you're going to be just because you think you're a fast swimmer and that you're stronger than a shark doesn't mean that you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, so, that's well said. Um, I, I would, I, I think we want to be careful about those things. Um, and again, coming back and recognizing that God's design is genuinely better mm-hmm. and we need to feed our, our hearts and our souls with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we want to add anything? Nope. Okay. Well, I hope uh, that was a helpful episode to you all. And we'll see you on the next episode. These are